My guest today is Michael Reddish. Michael is a Ramsey Solutions legend. He's been working with Dave and Ramsey Solutions for over 18 years and is director of event experience and live events, helping throw one of the best Christmas parties that you'll ever see and helping do events like the Entree Leadership Summit in Dallas with guest speakers like Coach K from Duke, Dave Ramsey, James Clear, serving 2,700 plus business owners and leaders. Michael opens up on his story of how he ended up at Ramsey and why he's passionate about community and helping start a group called the Soggy Bourbon Boys. And you know, here at the Four Seas Podcast, our guest chooses how we have conversations. It's over cigars, ciders, or coffee, because that's some of the best conversations I've ever had with people. Well, for the first time in the podcast history, Michael Reddish and I are having cigars on this podcast. And may I say, Michael pulled out the red carpet for this podcast. We smoked outside on a beautiful Tennessee day at the brand new Ramsey Event Center. And I had one of the smoothest cigars I've ever had. I'll be sure to attach the cigar and bourbon we had in the show notes. So without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Ramsey Solutions' very own Michael Reddish. But any kind of Padron is my go-to. I think that's the Maserati of cigars. I don't think you can do better. And then bourbon, man, it's it's typically what's in my glass. I, you know, I, I, I stole the line from Dave for years and years. There's, you know, no ugly girls at the party. That's what he says. And <laughs> typically, there's only a very few bourbons, whiskeys that I'm not a fan of. Anything else, uh, I'm I'm happy to have. I think yeah. my go-to, um, I like a high proof. Um, I like um, uh, Elmer T. Lee is my absolute favorite, even though that's not high proof. But okay. Elmer T. Lee, they released um, uh, Elmer T. Lee 100 year tribute on what would have been Elmer's 100th birthday. Wow. And that's 100 proof instead of the typical 90 proof. And to me, that's the perfect bourbon at the perfect expression. <laughs> I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> that's incredible. Now, what, what would you recommend for beginners like myself? Where, where would you start with, with some kind of bourbon or, or cigar like for beginners? So, uh, cigars, I think, you know, smoke a lot of stuff. My, uh, friend Kellen owns a company called standard and Twain. Um, and it's based on, um, there's a Mark Twain story that Mark Twain smoked cheap cigars and his friends smoked expensive cigars, hmm. and they would make fun of him. Uh, and so at one point, he bought cheap cigars, traded out the bands with expensive cigars, wow. and let his friends smoke those, thinking they were smoking expensive cigars. And uh, they weren't, and they loved them, and they thought they were fantastic. And that's when he said something to the effect of, like, you know, every man's standard is is what he likes and um and so kellen does this thing called standard and twain where they ship you two or three or four cigars a month and he's taken the bands off and replaced them with a band that has a qr code on it wow you smoke the cigar and then you scan the qr code and see what it was and it may be a cheap one or it may be an expensive one but you start to learn kind of what you like yeah so i just think smoke a lot of stuff decide what you like what you don't like um to me, the most important thing is it's it's relaxation for me, and so yeah. I want the draw to be easy. I want it to be easy to pull air through the cigar, and yeah. a ton of cigars are rolled too tightly for me, mm. but Padrones never are. So, yeah. and Padrones you can get for you know 
8 to $12 a stick uh, for their low end. And I think the low end, that's what I smoke at home. They're fantastic. That's awesome. And what, what are we smoking today? We're smoking. So this one is a more expensive Padron. This is a Padron wow. uh, 1964 series. Um, it's an anniversary. Uh, this is a, in my opinion, it's a very nice cigar. It's incredible. It's light, easy. Yeah. I feel honored for, for you bringing out that's what that I nice wanted, cigars. I want light and easy, yes. Yeah, so. This that's me too. I'm I'm a light, easy kind of guy. I love so it. I love it. Well, Michael, I'm so glad to have you, man. And you know, oftentimes we ask people when they come to Ramsey, whether they're they're fans of ours or even people that work at Ramsey, we often ask, Hey, what's what's your Dave Ramsey story? And I'm I'm sure you've been asked this a lot, but you've been you've been at Ramsey eighteen plus years now, is that right? That's correct. That's amazing. Talk to us how, how you ended up at Ramsey and how, how you ended up being director of event experience and live events. So um, I applied for a job. I grew up in Nashville. I knew the name Dave Ramsey. I didn't know a ton about who he was. Um, they had a yeah. position open for graphic designer. Hmm. And I applied for that role. And... Um, they re- they replied back. Uh, I sent them my portfolio, and they replied back, and they said, "Can you do a thirty second storyboard for something?" And I thought, "I don't know what a storyboard is," mm. so I never replied. And about two weeks later, um, I was in church, and at that time, I ran all the a- AV, all the slides for uh, the services, and we had two services. I'd already been through the sermon once and I was in the second service. So I've heard the sermon once and I'm checking my email yeah. um, in the booth during service. And right about the time that I was cleaning out email, I got to the email where they had asked me for a 30 second storyboard. And my pastor was talking about stepping out on faith and the stars just aligned. And I thought, I'm just going to reply. So I replied and I just said, I don't know what a storyboard is, but I can wow. learn. And uh, they had me in for an interview. Um, that was with Debbie Lacurto, who was one of the pioneers of Financial Peace University. Wow. And uh, I was the second graphic designer that uh, the company had ever hired. And in those days, everybody did a little bit of everything. Like, I, I was a graphic designer, but I ghost wrote articles for Dave for... Uh, Christian publications, anytime we uh, went to an event and we sponsored the event and had a booth, you know, that kind of thing, I was in charge of all of that. And so as the company grew, I was able to move into a position where I was leading marketing and creative for what we called in those days the church division, Mm -hmm. which was Financial Peace University for churches. Um, And that was 70% of the revenue of the entire company at that point. And I built a team of uh, writers and researchers and designers and event producers. And as time went on, I was lucky just to be able to um, let go of some things that I felt like I wasn't great at and lean into the things that I was great at. Yeah. Um, And we went through a restructure at one point, and I sat down with Dave and Debbie um, and I remember Dave just said, what do you, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, if I could just focus on, you know, high end premium event experiences, um, that's where I feel like I can add the most value. Wow. And, uh, Dave and Debbie both said, yeah, great. 
let's let's do that go do that um and so at that point uh i had a live events team that i was leading that was separate from the live events team at ramsey we did all of the financial peace university events and sponsorships and i moved my team over onto the live events team with pete young and um and from there i just uh kind of i've done a lot of stuff on that team too but i've ended up in a place where the director of event experiences i focus on premium experiences um, when we have a, a VIP level ticket or a platinum level ticket or a preferred or a platinum plus, I'm designing those experiences. I'm thinking about what we want those people to walk away from the event having experienced and felt um, and working with the event managers at Ramsey to uh, to execute those things and, and create some wow moments for people. Wow. Well, you do an incredible job. Thank you. And yeah, I, I'm part of the Entree Leadership Team and oftentimes your, your fingerprints are everywhere. And I love seeing that. And from an in-house experience too, you, you do so much for our staff. So I've c- connected with a lot of people because of, of what you've been able to do. Um, I think when you start out, how, how many team members were we? There were about 60 of us when, when I started in 2005. So. Wow. What number were you? I think I'm 68. That's uh, awesome. I think, okay. I think, I think that's my number. <laughs> uh, that was, I, there's, I, I think I'm like 30 something now and and tenured people that are still employed here. Yeah. But when I started, there was about, I think about 68 people on the team. It's incredible. We've seen a lot, a lot transform. And yeah. now we're, we're, we're over that thousand mark around, right, right around 1100. Yeah. So yeah, well, I'm, I'm thankful for what you do. And, and um, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is I, I think you're a Ramsey legend. Not a lot of people know about you outside of Ramsey, but inside Ramsey, people are such big fans of you. And I, I think, you're a humble guy and you're a connector, but intentional with who you connect and how you connect. And I appreciate that about you. So nothing but respect for what you do here. Thank at you. I appreciate so, it. Absolutely, man. Very so, kind of you. So, I mean, you've met some amazing people over the years. You, you've worked with some awesome people, obviously our Ramsey personalities. Who, who are some people that stick out to you over the years that you've worked with Ramsey related or not? Yeah, I, um, there's been a, there really has been a few people that that stood out um, outside of Ramsey. Uh, Andy Stanley. Um, uh, I met Andy backstage at Catalyst, um, and it was it was it was a pretty brief meeting. Um, and then, probably two years later, Andy was invited. He was in town. He was invited to speak at our Devo at Ramsey. And I was sitting in Devo, and I, I saw him walk in with Dave, and Dave looked back, to, back at me and said, motioned for me to come up, and I went up, and he said, this is Michael Reddish, and he does our, all of our Catalyst stuff and uh, our marketing for Financial Peace University. And I, I had no assumptions that Andy would remember me at all, and so I reintroduced myself to him, and I said, so yeah. great to meet you. And, and Andy said, we've met before, right? And I was shocked. Uh, and I said, yeah. And he said, backstage at Catalyst a couple of years ago. And I was just in awe that, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm nobody important. And, uh, but he remembered, he, he probably didn't remember my name, but the fact that he knew that he'd met me before was impactful to me. And it's, it, it, it I, I take things like that and, and, kind of add them to this list of things that I aspire um, to be, how I want to um, show up 
in people's life because it meant a lot to me. It was affirming to me. Hmm. And um, so there's been a lot of those those kinds of folks. I mean, I was backstage at Summit and got to spend about 15 minutes with Jay Leno, just me and him. Yeah. Um, and that was fun, and he was great, and it was like it, it was the same thing as if I was just chatting with a new neighbor that had moved in across the street. Um, it was, it was fantastic. Um, you know, there's, there's been those, there's been those that you, you, you meet your heroes and, and, yeah. and then they're not your heroes anymore, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. But, um, but really I think my favorite, um, personality, uh, has been George Camel. I've been friends with George for, um, a lot of years, uh, we became friends shortly after he joined Ramsey as an email marketer. Um, and I've just, I've known that George had a lot to offer and, and been rooting for him and excited to watch him grow and his, um, where he's at now and, and with his new book coming out soon and, um, teaser, just excited. Yeah. Just excited, uh, for George. Um, He's he's one of the good. I mean, I love I do love uh, all the personalities that we have at Ramsey. Now I love working with all of those guys. I can't say a bad thing about any of them, but I have a special place in my heart for George. Um, we're 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 very good friends, and um, he's he just really is the most genuine, sincere um, guy. And so I've just been excited to see him win. That's awesome. What what. What sticks out about that? Obviously, you're a personal friend of George, and people know him well. Like, yeah, what sticks to you from a friend, um, friendship perspective? George uh, is who he is unapologetically, and a lot of people say that. Um, you know, people people talk about like you know, let's you know, the 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 brutal truth or the be brutally honest um and i'm not a fan of that like sometimes when people are unapologetically themselves they're they're just assholes um and that's that's not george george is is not that in in any way but he's still to me i experience george as being so authentically himself um and but he does it in a way that's kind um and i I just appreciate that so much. He's one of the hardest workers uh, that I've ever seen up close. Wow. Um, and so when someone works hard and they're kind, um, it just you you love to see them see them win. Yeah. They deserve it when they get it. And um, you know you you get to share in that a little bit if you're if you're close. And so I, I that's I love that's what I love about George. I love hearing about that too, because I mean George started from the ground up here. Right? Absolutely, hundred so percent. Wasn't just like we went shopping for a Ramsey personality no. outside. He, he earned his stripes. He here, did. So he had to get a haircut before he could be. <laughs> yeah. I'll just. I think I've seen one picture of a throwback uh, of him with a different haircut. Oh, so. he, yeah, he was. He was a skater boy back in the day. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Reddish, what, what I appreciate about you is you know like what I've heard. I, obviously, I've gotten to know you over the last year, and I'm still getting to know you. So I'm not like. We're we're still getting to know each other in a lot of ways, but I I know just from people I've talked to here at Rams, you just say there there's a layer of depth to you, and I, I appreciate about that, especially with what what you provide here at Ramsey, not only from a professional standpoint, but from a friendship standpoint, kind of like what you're saying with George. But 
for you, one of those people you've gotten to know is is Dave Ramsey. And I've, I'm sure oftentimes you get asked, what's that like working for Dave? So I guess for you, like, what's, what's it like to not only be friends with Dave, but to work for Dave as, you know, he is your boss. He's, he's my boss here. Like, what's that like been working for Dave these last 18 years? Yeah, I, I, I really feel blessed um, to... Um to to have a relationship with Dave um you know I didn't know who he was really when I started I knew that he was a, a radio show host my plan was really to work at Ramsey for a year um and then to move on to something else and um I I really fell in love with um what we were doing and um Dave is has always been someone who um, I felt at some level, you know, believed in me. And that's been important for me. It's the people that I keep close or try to keep close because uh, so many times I just don't really believe in myself. And, um, and so, you know, there've been times that, I mean, he's been real pissed at me, uh, and there's been times I've been real pissed at him. Um, but there was an interview he was doing one one time, and I, I had set the interview up, and I was in the booth, and he was being interviewed. I think he was actually being interviewed by Ken Coleman way back in the day before Ken worked for Ramsey. And... Ken asked a question along the lines of, you know, what do people have to learn to work at Ramsey? And and Dave said, well, right now I'm looking at one of my top guys. And I literally looked behind me to see, like, who who, who walked in? It was just me in the booth. <laughs> um, and there's nobody there but me. And yeah. he said, he's been in my office when I've said, this is crap. Go fix it. Go do it again. Start over. And he's also been in my office when I threw up my arms and I gave him a big hug and said, this has been world class. Uh, and I thought, well, he's never done. He's never actually threw out his arms and gave me a big hug. But he has told me things are world class. And, yeah. um, uh, and that has been the thing. Like, I'm, I'm okay. Just tell me where I stand. That's, that's big for me. And, and, and I've always felt that with Dave. I know where I, I, know where I stand with him. I know... Um, if he liked what I did or didn't. And so over the years now, nearly 19 years, which I never imagined I would have ever been at any job for that long. Um, but, um, yeah, I've really I've fallen in love with him. And we don't align on everything, um, he with me or me with him. Um, but I, I know that he's a generous man and that he's loyal and, um, even when we disagree on methods, we agree on motives and, um, yeah, it's just been, it's been a, it's been a fantastic, um, part of my life to get to know him and to spend some time with him. A lot of it. Uh, outside of work over bourbon and cigars. Um, it's been great. That's awesome. I love hearing that. I, I'd love to circle back for a second. I, I don't know, 
I had on my podcast um, a few months ago, a songwriter here in Nashville. Um, and he's a good family friend of, of uh, my wife's family. So he's great. His name's Matt Armstrong. Um, and one of the things that I, I really appreciate about Matt is he's talking about how oftentimes he struggles with like that, that insecurity piece that you talked about. Um, and a lot of this podcast is dedicated towards, towards a lot of really Gen Z to millennial men who feel stuck. Like, I think we go this route, but I'd love to ask you that. Like, how have you managed to, to manage some of these insecurities? Like the times where you feel stuck, like how do you, how do you get? Yeah. So a little bit of my backstory. Um, my dad has, has passed now, but he was, uh, 15 when my mom got pregnant, 16 when I was born. My mom was 16 when she got pregnant, 17 when I was born. Wow. Um, and they were kids. And so my grandmother, my mom's mom, uh, basically took me and raised me. Um, and what I know now uh, is that my mom and dad both loved me. They were doing the best they could with what they had. They didn't, the information that they had, they didn't have a playbook on how to raise a kid. And um, it was a huge blessing that my, I had a grandmother that was in a stable place that could take me and raise me. But what I believed as a kid was that my mom and dad didn't want me. And if my mom and dad didn't want me, then there had to be something about me that was severely flawed and that in a lot of ways I had, I probably was unlovable. And so I learned to manipulate to keep people close because I never, I I thought there was no value. I didn't describe any value to just myself. And so when, you know, my close friendships, I would, I'd call somebody and say, Hey, you want to hang out? Let's go to the movies. I'll buy the tickets. Let's go to dinner. I'll buy dinner. Let's do this thing. I'll pay for it. Let's, you know, and so I always attach something to hanging out with me because I didn't believe that hanging out with me was enough to get anybody to want to do it. And, um, and my friends at, in those days would have said, Michael is one of the most generous guys I know, but it wasn't generosity. It was manipulation. I was trying to keep people close because I thought people will leave. They'll leave. There's no, I don't, I don't have any value to offer anybody. And I did a lot of work and went through a lot of, um, uh, counseling and, and therapy. And, um, I came out of that, um, with a, a contract with myself. And the contract with myself is that I am a brave, honest, free and loved man who takes risks to celebrate love in myself and others. Wow. That's, that's who I am. That's the truth of who I am. And I have to remind myself of that because that insecurity of feeling unlovable is always there. And I have to remind myself, um, you know, when, when someone is pissed at me if I'm not careful it will devastate me like just devastation um but then I remind myself 
Nope. You're a brave, honest, free, and loved man. Uh, that's who you are. And I believe that. I believe that's the truth of who I am. And I take risks to celebrate love in myself and others. And that's what I go back to. Um, I know who I am. I know what I'm supposed to do. Um, and when I do that, when I start with who I am and I let what I do flow out of that truth, then I create what I want in my life. Um, and if there's something in my life that's not working, it's most likely because something I'm doing is not flowing out of the truth of who I am. Something's not aligned. And we get that mixed up a lot. A lot of people think, you know, there, there, there's, and I didn't come up with this, but there's the model it's of be, have, do. And most people think, you know, they get it mixed up. They say, they'll say, have, be, do. So they'll say, when I have X, then I'll be who I'm supposed to be, and then I'll do what I'm supposed to do. Or they'll say, you know, do, have, be. I'll do all these things, and then I'll have what I want, and then I'll be who I'm supposed to be. And you can mix those three things up. Be, have, do. You can mix those three things up a lot of different ways. The only way that really works is be, do, have. Be who you're supposed to be. Let what you do flow out of that truth. And then you have what you want in your life. And I believe if you don't have what you want, it's because either you don't know who you are and what you're supposed to do, or if you do know that, then something you're doing is not flowing out of that truth. Um, that's, that's been true in my life, at least. How did, how did you forge that, that contract? Uh, it was part of a training. I went through a training called Focus, uh, which is a personal development training. Um, it's a small group training, and uh, I went through in Kansas City. Um, it's three weekends. you got to go for... For a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you go back for a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you go back for another Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and it's just a, a small group intensive um, where they break down, um, you know, uh, you start to identify the ways that you self-sabotage based on the things that you believe that are probably not true. Um, you know, I believe that my mom and dad didn't want me. What I learned in that training is that's not true. They did. They did the best they knew how to do, um, and so I let go a lot of a lot of ang let go of a lot of anger um, from my parents, um, and um, just really tried to identify what 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 is true. What is true is that my parents were crazy young. Um, what is true is that I'm blessed to have had a grandmother who could take me and raise me. Mm. Um, you know, all these, these things were true and, and I didn't know it. I, I needed somebody to help me, um, figure that out. And I think most of us do. I think a lot of, a lot of people say they're self-aware. I say it. A lot of people say it. But we're just not like we don't know. What we don't know. And so I think creating a space in your life where you invite criticism um, or curiosity, at least, is important. I think having a group of friends where you can say, hey, have I done anything in the last 
few months that made you just go, oh, I don't know if that was the right thing to say, man, or you you made that joke and I think that was inappropriate, or um, you did this thing or that thing. Um, I think in creating a space where people where you invite that and you have to invite it, people generally aren't just going to offer it. Um, they have to know that it's a safe space to do it. They have to know that it's not going to affect your friendship, that it's just going to enhance the friendship. But I don't know what I don't know. But my friends know what I don't know. And I, if I'm ever going to know it, they have to tell me. They have to be the ones that tell me or some, someone that sees it has to do that. And so a big believer in doing the work with a counselor or a therapist, um, at the very least, creating a safe space where your friends can speak into things that you may not see, blind spots that you may have. Because you just don't know what you don't know. And you can think you do, but you probably there's probably some huge blind spots in your life. There are always are in mine. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Like oftentimes like we, we talk about it here at Ramsey and all a lot. Like the importance of having friends, getting a therapist and really having people that speak truth into you in a, in a, in the right manner. Yeah. In the right setting, you know. You don't want to just hear from anyone, you want to hear from the right person. Yeah. So that's good. Thank you for sharing that. And I know I know one of your passions too is I think you're one of the best community builders in Nashville personally. Um, obviously you you've built you've done all you, you're an integral piece here at Ramsey in terms of community. But what, why are you so passionate in building community? I mean, we talk about KRA here at Ramsey, which is Key Results Area. It's definitely a KRA of yours here. But why are you so passionate about building community, and how do you recommend people getting plugged into communities? Um, I'm passionate about – what I'm really probably passionate about is creating experiences. Um, and I think that's where community forms. Um, and I think that the best way to do that is, is live and in person. Uh, that's why I'm in the, uh, events department at Ramsey and really always have kind of had my hand in that. Um, that's why, um, I love working on things like battle of the bands, um, and Christmas party and trivia night and, and all the things we do at Ramsey because, um, I think the best way to build community is to eat together and to play together. Um, I, it's the easiest way. I think you, and I didn't come up with this either, but I believe it. There's an, uh, an old saying that you can learn more about a person in an hour of play than you can in a lifetime of relationship. Um, and, um, and some of those trainings that I, I participated in, a lot of them were just games. Yeah. You'd play a game with the group and then someone would hold a mirror up in front of your face and say, Hey, you did, you, I noticed you did this in the game. Uh, does that mirror your life in any way? Um, sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes it does in a huge way. And you're like, Oh my God, like my whole life. I did that thing, and I never knew it. And and so I think that's when we really get to know each other is when we eat together, when we play together. 
and uh, I lead a bourbon uh, fraternity in Nashville called the Soggy Bourbon Boys. Yeah. Uh, this is our ninth year. Next year will be our tenth year as a fraternity, awesome. and we get together. We have a monthly gathering, and um, that is the that's what's really formed this brotherhood. And and what we say is that um, what we really value is the brotherhood. It's the Soggy Bourbon Boys what we really value is the brotherhood. We, it's, it's built on a foundation of a mutual love of bourbon and whiskey, yeah. but the bourbon and whiskey could really go away. Um, it, it, what we really value is the brotherhood, and the reason that that brotherhood has been built is because we, we get together once a month, and yeah. um, we, we travel a few times a year together, and we go to Kentucky and spend the weekend um, we go to you know different places and um, uh, traveling with people and having those shared experiences and living together um, you know for a weekend um, that just creates community because you really you really have opportunities to get to know people in a way that you wouldn't um, if you weren't intentional about that and so being intentional about getting together. Um, has always been something I'm passionate about. This year uh, is the, I think this is the 30th anniversary, 30th annual Reddish Halloween Shindig. So I've been throwing, awesome. Halloween is my favorite holiday. Uh, and I've been throwing Halloween parties now. This is our 30th year. And when I first started, it was just getting people together and carving pumpkins and doing <laughs> yeah. whatever. Um, but now it's, it's, it's a massive event and people have to buy tickets to come. Oh my gosh. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, uh, and we don't make money on it. We just charge for the ticket so that we recoup some of our costs cause we spend a lot of money on it, but we, it's the biggest thing we do all year. Um, my wife and I, um, but we love, we just love getting people together. Um, that's where community forms. And so it's very lucky, I think, for me to have fallen into this role at Ramsey, yeah. where my job is is to get people together. And 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 Dave talks about that, you know, uh, and I, he probably stole it from somebody, and I don't know who he stole it from, but um, that businesses move at the speed of trust. Um, trust is built when we eat together and play together. Um, same thing as community. And so, um, yeah, I've been very lucky to to have kind of fallen into a role that um, I didn't know was my thing, but over the years I've figured out as my thing yeah. is to get people together. Because I think even with our live events, I just think there, there's something that happens when someone comes to one of our events. We were just in Chicago at smart conference. Yeah. And I got two emails today from people that were at those events um, that they just were so grateful and we should be the ones that are grateful. Like they bought a ticket to our event, like, and we are grateful, but for those people to express their gratitude and they paid lots of money to be at those events. Um, that's the win for me is we did our job. We created a space where those people felt seen and acknowledged and included and thought of, um, and loved um, and that is what changes lives. And 
that's there's a lot of things that change lives, but that's my that's my niche in the world. Is that's the way I do it. I, I try to do it. And you do it well. I mean, you've you've helped pioneer a world class experience here at Ramsey. So many routes I could go. At some point, we're gonna have to do a deeper dive at some point. Right. More Joe Rogan. <laughs> but man, I I didn't know that. A lot of this is like I'm getting to know a lot of this and you in real time, which is awesome. Which is so cool. What? Why Halloween? I gotta ask. Like, where where did this start? Why why is Halloween your favorite? And how where did this Halloween party stem from? So Halloween is my favorite because the other holidays, when I was a kid, my parents separated pretty early. Um, I think they were divorced before I was two years old. And I, because I, they had me so young, I had great grandparents on both sides. And so yeah. on Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving, man, I was just shipped all over town. I mean, you know, spend Christmas Eve here and then Christmas morning there and Christmas night at this other place. And, but then we missed this other thing. And so we had to go to this family gathering. I just felt shipped all over, um, for Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving and those holidays. But man, Halloween was different. Halloween was just about having fun. There was no obligation. I didn't have to think about, um, reacting in a positive way to a gift that I didn't really care for or acting like I, you know, remembered people, great aunts and great uncles who I didn't know and like all the things. (laughs) Halloween was just easy and fun. Um, And so that's, that's the one that I, I grabbed onto and, um, started having Halloween parties and every year they kind of just grew. Um, and we've done things. We're really big three. Big three for us has been we've done murder mysteries uh, where everyone is assigned a character. Um, and when you arrive, uh, you're given a little dossier about who you are. Uh, and, you know, you're told there's six main characters that are uh, suspects. And those characters all have longer dossiers, and one of those is a, is is told they're the murderer, and they're the only person that's allowed to lie. So everyone else investigates, and at the end of the night, you got to make a guess at who you think the murderer is, and, and the motive, and all the things. Uh, we've done uh, film fests where we uh, put people into groups, and they each get a little. Uh, back in the day, we had flip cams back in the day, and now they just do it on their phone, but. Uh, they get a flip cam and uh, they're given a theme and they have to have a fight scene and a kiss scene and like all these things. And they get two hours, two and a half hours to go film a movie. They have to film it sequentially because they can't edit it. They bring the flip cam back and then we all watch the movies together. And then everybody votes on their, the best fight scene, the best kissing, the best actor, best actress. (laughs) That's amazing. We do an Academy Awards ceremony at the end and, and, and give it give out trophies. Um, and the most recent one has been karaoke. Uh, this year's theme is Focella. Focella. All right. It's kind of a, a fake Coachella kind of music festival. And, yeah. uh, you can come as an artist real or imagined or as a festival attendee. 
um, or is anything else you can dream up that would be at a music festival. Um, wow. So that's the theme this year, um, and it's karaoke. Uh, that's awesome. And so um, we just do cocktails and just re- costumes are required. That's incredible. Um, and yeah, it's just it's we have eighty or a hundred or so people usually these days uh, at the event, and it's it's just a blast for us. Best best costume you've seen these last few years. So we always vote on best costumes. Um, and uh, Debbie Lacurto, who hired me at Ramsey, uh, uh, she, she more times than not she wins best female costume because really? uh, she just goes she goes all out. Um, How so? Uh, I mean, just kind of head to toe, like thought of everything, nuanced in the right ways. Um, my wife and I are always exempt people we don't allow people to vote for us for best costume. Uh, <laughs> uh, but generally we don't have it. So it's, it's kind of a good thing that we, we, you can't vote for us cause we wouldn't win anyway. But, um, uh, last year was our theme was, uh, gremlins, goblins, ghosts, and ghouls. Um, year before that was deep space disco. Um, but people kind of know these, these days people know when they, if you're going to come to the party, you, you need to go all out. Like, (laughs) you know, um, and, uh, the year before that was, uh, villainous. So you just had to come as a villain, um, from literature or Disney or something. Um, but probably my favorite year in the past several has been, uh, Saturday night live was the year before that. You had to come as a character from Saturday Night Live. Um, and it was great. We had sp- the Spartan cheerleaders. Um, we had um, uh, the Land Shark. We had, it was just, it was great. It was great. <laughs> great SNL characters. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I mean, you've, you've created so much. I mean, whether it's at your house or even here at Ramsey, I mean, for those who are listening outside of Ramsey, I mean, you've you've helped pioneer our Christmas parties to battle the bands to cigar nights, where where I've connected with you a few times. Like, talk to us like about some of those events as well here at Ramsey. Like, how, how did all those start? So Christmas party, um, I would say I haven't been a pioneer of it. Um, that that thing was rolling um, a lot of years before I really got involved with it, but definitely tried to add my, my flair there and um, where I can. Um, My big, my big ad was uh, in 2020. uh, We had the Christmas party at the office here because we couldn't go anywhere else. It was COVID. (laughs) Um, And I've always wanted to do a speakeasy at the Christmas party. And that was really the first year that I was able to do it. And so, um, we, we produced about 25 of these keys. Um, and then we just went out at the beginning of the party and we handed the key to somebody and it had a little tag on it that said, you've invited, you've been invited to a secret experience at the Ramsey Christmas party. Um, here's the, here's your clue. You got to find it to experience it. Um, and so they had to follow these clues and figure things out. 
to get to the door of the speakeasy. At the door of the speakeasy was a telephone, and there was a riddle, and there was a little porcelain Christmas tree that had little lights on it that was turned off. (laughs) And if you figured out the riddle, you would pick up the phone and dial the correct number that was the answer to the riddle. And if you did that correctly, the light on the tree, the tree would turn on. And that would wow. signal a person inside to open the door and let you in. Um, and so you would go in. And that year we partnered with Bardstown Bourbon Company nice. and did a Bardstown Bourbon tasting in that room. Um, and so you would hang out there. And then uh, when you left, we would hand you the key back and say, hand this to someone you don't know. Wow. And so they would go back out into the party and discreetly pass that key to someone they didn't know. Um, and so we're like, that was, that was fantastic. Like, we loved it. Um, and we said, let's do it again. So we did it again in 2021. Um, and it was, it was a little less special. And then 2022 last year, um, it was just a free for all because there's free drinks in there. And at one point, um, I walked in there and there was just so many people in there. I was like, there's no way all these people have keys to be in here. (laughs) <laughs> and I turned on the lights and I was like, Hey, the speakeasy's closed. Everybody, Everybody out. out. Um, it just lost its specialness, uh, at that point. Cause everybody was like, Oh, you can go up there. You can go up there. You can go up there. Uh, and the guy we had running the door, uh, I said, don't create a bad experience for anybody, but they need to be able to figure these things out to get in. And he just started letting everybody in. And so it's like, no, it needs to be special in some way. And so, uh, this year, I don't know if there'll be one. There may be. If there is, it will be super secret. Like you'll have <laughs> yeah, to figure. You have to figure it out. We don't even know yet. Like, <laughs> That's good. We're to know. still figuring it out. But awesome. my initial my initial thought was we need to take a year off and not do a speakeasy yeah. because the point of that is to be fun and special. And so that's been my biggest contribution has been been that um but i love working on those things and battle of the bands um has kind of become one of my things for sure um this year we did it here in the ramsey event center which we're sitting outside of right now and i knew i needed to do something because in the since since we moved into this building um we've done it in the amphitheater here and it's been a festival kind of vibe and you felt like you get up and move around and you weren't tied to your seat. But we move into a venue with seats and rows and that changes the, the whole thing. And, and our, our preliminary round is, you know, three hours long. It's like, it's hard to sit there for that long. And so what do we do? How do we do that? And so we said, let's, I said, maybe let's try a hype zone, a standing room only area. And then, and I had doubts and other people had doubts about whether it would work. And I was like, well, let's just offer it as a ticket and see how many people sign up. Um, (laughs) but man, it was, it worked, uh, thankfully. Um, and, uh, this year was, was one that, um, will go down as, as one of our best. I think like it really was, especially for the, 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 the musicians and the singers and the bands, um, because when we've done it outside, the preliminary round, a lot of those folks are in the daylight because we start at 4 p.m. Yeah. And so some of the bands get the benefit of going 
when it's getting dark outside, which changes the whole thing. And, yeah. and we did it here in the building. Everybody was in the dark, and it was great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just love creating those times that we can get together. Um, cigar nights, you know, the first time we did that, I told Dave, I said, there's people that I would never have spoken to. Just because I don't know what to say. Like, I'm not naturally great at at, at making new friends. Um, but I can walk up to somebody at a cigar night and say, hey, what are you smoking? It's an easy entry point to conversation. Um, and that's why we've continued to do it now for, I don't know, 10, 12 years or more. I don't know. But um, because it's it's you get a group of people there together that don't normally aren't normally together that all have a common interest and it's an easy entry point to get to know people um and that that's community that's you know that's how it's built so i i love hearing that thank you for sharing that there's i would agree with you cigars are some of the best conversations I've ever had with people. And even as we're talking, you're, you're patient with me. I'm, I got the mic in one hand and cigar in the other, and I got ash all over my lap right now. So that's that. – so much. I've got, I've got it on me too, so. Uh, you're profound. And I'll, I'll be honest, this is one of the best, smoothest cigars I've ever had, so. Can't do better than Padron, in my, in my opinion. <laughs> you're a Padron guy. And I appreciate it. You're, you're world-class, man. And what was what's the whiskey again? This is – This is a uh, Backbone. So uh, the owner of the company uh, is a guy named Nolan Smith. Um, the Soggy Bourbon Boys, have we've picked several barrels of that. Um, he sources everything from MGP, which is Midwest Grain Products. Um, and so a lot of people are just sourcing. They're buying barrels from this company that makes thousands and thousands and thousands of barrels a year. Wow. And then he does, uh, he, he continues to age them and... Um, yeah, it's uh, if you can get a backbone product, I think you should. It's uh, it's incredible stuff. I know uh, which whiskey I'm, I'm going to get next. So. Yeah, nice whiskey and bourbon. So, so. this is this good. This is good, is good education, education for me too. too. Right. So, man, uh, Michael, this has been a ton of fun. So thank you for not only what you do here, but more per- on a personal. Thank you for who you are here. Uh, there's there's a lot that I think you add value to so many people, especially with your story. I think a lot of people can relate to your story. And uh, I didn't know so much about this about you. So this is this is part of the, the joys of why I love doing podcasting is getting to know people on another note. And I want to honor time. I mean, as we, as we finish up today, I mean, do you have any final words just of encouragement or just advice for specifically men in particular? Yeah, I. Um, I mean, I don't know that I, I have a ton to offer. I. Um, I would say, you know, figure out uh, who you are, really, um, and and once you know that, make that contract with yourself. Um, of this is who I am, and this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, I think that, you know, I. I Donald Miller uh, has been a huge part of um, my life. The, the, the first book I read of his was Blue Like Jazz. And it, it radically, radically 
changed my life. Um, and I just really identify so much with his, with his writing. And there's a book called a million miles in a thousand years. And there's a quote from that book. And I'll have to, uh, I keep a note in my phone, uh, with it. And I'll look it up to get it exactly right. And even get to most of my questions, so this is good because I was going to ask you about your cigar and booklet reading. Oh so yeah, this yeah. is good. this is good. Yeah, I love I love to have a cigar and a bourbon and a book. Follow uh, Michael Radish on Instagram. Yeah. It's entertaining. Yeah. Um, but uh, the quote is: When we look back on our lives, what we will remember are the crazy things we did, the times we worked harder to make a day stand out. And I read that. And I thought that's, that's what I'm going to spend my life doing. Like when we get to the end of everything, all we have are our memories. And so I'm going to work harder every day to make moments stand out. So my friends, if, if they get a promotion, like I, I, send, them, I send them a gift I, I take them out to drinks. If, you know, my, my wife, uh, her side hustle is, is painting. And, and if she, um, she gets a big commission or that, like we, we celebrate those things. And I just decided like, I, I'm a brave, honest, free and loved man. And I take risks to celebrate love in myself and others. And I'm going to take the risk. And, um, it, it, my close friends will tell you that a thing that I say probably too much, but I say, I know I'm a lot. Like I know it's, it's not easy to be my friend because I require a lot of my friends, but I don't require a lot from them. I just require them to accept that I'm, I'm going to require a lot. Like I, I need FaceTime and if you have a win, I need to be able to celebrate it with you. And if you have a loss, I need to be able to mourn it with you. And um, I just, I want to try harder every day to make moments magical for the people that I love. Because when I get to the end of everything, I'm, my guess is that's all I'm going to have is, is those memories. Nothing else will matter, I don't think. So I would just say, figure out who you are. Let what you do flow out of that truth. Um, And I think you create the life that you want. Michael, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Be sure to be on the lookout for the Soggy Bourbon Boys podcast in the future. Sky's a connector and a community builder. And I hope you could feel that today in today's podcast. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to rate, subscribe, share with a friend. We are growing the show because of you, and we couldn't do it without you. And so until next time, we'll see you on the Four Seas Podcast. And I hope this is a resource to connect with your community. And we like to say here at the podcast, to make the table great again. And until next time, we will see you on the Four Seas Podcast.